Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. They held the line. They stood on the battlements with everybody attacking them. And they stood tall. And they stood firm. And even when they did everything to give this game away... They finally found a way to win the big one. How many times have they not? But tonight they did. Welcome to Rams Rewind. Live here in the good and the bad and the ugly group. If you're out there and you're listening to this in podcast land on whatever podcast platform and you like what you hear, shoot us some dinero. There is a link to the PayPal in the description. And if you do, we're going to, we're going to, We're going to shout you out. Uh, We will not be having celebratory tequila, Bradley Heath. There will be celebratory pizza when this this pot is over. Oh, my God. Tori Selby, I thought my head was going to wobble off my body because, oh, this game, both of these teams, I mean, VCU was the better team throughout the game. But they couldn't pull away because every time they were about to, they'd make a mistake on offense and Dayton would go down and get a clutch and get a great offensive uh, possession or a clutch shot or whatever. Yes, Michael P. Dunn and everybody else. The defense was amazing. And let me tell you, it starts with Christian Furman and Toby the Wall. And you're right about Chris MJ. I'll get to that. But God dang it. You're up against Deron Bleepin' Holmes. And admittedly, as it turned out, some of that doggone the good defense was fouling him and putting him on the line in a game they lose by two points. Deron Holmes, who is a 71% foul shooter, was 5 of 13. The only other guy that got to the foul line to them for them tonight was Nate Santos, and he was 4 for 5. But that's, but that's the thing. Deron Holmes, you didn't see him forcing shots for the most part. When he did... They didn't go in. He was three for eight from the field. He does get a double-double, but what a night on the glass we had. And let's give – let's give. Uh, well, actually, no, we don't give Furman and, and Lawal a ton of credit there because they only had five rebounds between them, but they played great defense and used their fouls. And, and both of them got terrible fouls called on them that if they'd have lost this game or fouled out, we've been talking about that. Oh. What a win. They didn't score for six minutes. Somebody else said that in the com- in the, uh, in the comments. And they still won. And Kevin G, I'm glad you brought that out. Nelson had a great start, but that's the thing that kind of – this is the thing that gets me with the rotations with the coach. He's playing great, and he only plays 14 minutes. Nelson needed to be out there more, especially with Shulga struggling. 
You know, although let's give Shulga credit. He didn't take a shot in the second half. Shulga didn't force anything, which was good because uh, he really struggled in the first half. But Nelson, you hardly play him. So he comes out there and he gets that open three, which he was sticking in the first half and it doesn't go in. Well, he's freaking cold. He should have played more. But we'll, whatever other nits we, we want to pick, we'll pick them later. This, this, is the, this is a game just like some of the other games we've talked about. And Mike Urbanski, that could be right. He was hurt the other night and then bounced back from it. But if he was hurt tonight, he needed not to play. Uh, yeah, Bearstow, Bearstow was off shooting, but Bearstow had eight rebounds and three assists. And when you look at the rebounding battle and how crucial that was, <clears throat> you got to give Bearstow some credit. Well, one of those turnovers, Chris MJ, Deron Holmes clearly reaches in and hits Bearstow's arm as he knocks it loose, and it's not a foul. And I went absolutely ballistic here at, at, at home. I was furious. I couldn't believe Deron Holmes got away with that. Dan, Dan Gaytanis, some of that was – some. Of, I mean, look, part of the reason we didn't score in the last six minutes, Toby DeLaw, who's been so clutch at the foul line – Bricks the front end of two for one and ones. You know, that that killed us. We had some turnovers down the stretch. It felt like we didn't turn the ball over at all, hardly, until the end of the game. We only had eight turnovers for the game. We only had four in each half. I wonder if the play, if I can look on in just turnovers on this, if I can just key in on when the turnovers were. It felt like all the turnovers were late in that game. That's what it felt like. I don't know if it was, but that's what it felt like. But anyway... What a what a gutsy, tough, hard-fought, fantastic game it was. <laughs> Darren Grimes, 21 was honestly too many. You know, at least they stopped taking them after about the first after about the under eight timeout. But they took they took too many tonight. You know, outside of Nelson, nobody really should have had any license. Um no, and I agree with that, Manny Whitlock. They probably should run some plays for him. But that's the other thing. Dayton's going to look at this game, and they're going to look at the foul shots and say we should have won. We didn't play great. We couldn't make crap. Our best three-point shooter in the country missed two or three wide-open threes and was two for six. But VCU can look at this game and said we should have had this game put away because how many close shots did we miss? There must have been freaking six or seven of them. Furman missed a few. Doggone Bamisil missed one when he didn't when he in the first half when he had Nelson who was absolutely on fire open and doesn't even look at him misses a layup. Bearstone missed a couple. It was craziness. But let's talk about this great defense. This is one of the best. This is a great offense, Dayton. What were they coming into tonight? Uh, Dayton on offense. I think they were in offensive efficiency. I think they were way the hell up there in offensive efficiency. Yeah. Dayton was 12th. 12th in offensive efficiency in the country. That's the Dayton Flyers. Dayton is 17 of 47, 36%. They're 4 of 17, 23.5%. We already talked about the foul shooting. You know, Dayton... They're a great offensive team. They had nine turn. They had nine assists on seventeen made baskets. Nine assists. How many times would Dayton have had nine assists in a game this year? Outside of the Richmond game, I can't think of many. I'd have to go back and look, but it wouldn't have been many. 
I'm not even sure that happened against Northwestern. It might have happened against Houston. Um, VCU, on the other hand, 13 assists on 20 made baskets, but they only had four in the second half. Well, and you know what, Darren Grimes? Here, among the many reasons VCU won tonight, no, you know, it's, it's interesting you have zero. The, the live scoring says four to two. You didn't see Dayton getting, getting easy looks. They had one transition three that I can think of where it was almost a secondary break kind of deal. Um, and outside of that, VCU was getting back on defense. They were picking up the shooters. You saw it in that last six minutes of the game. How many times did VCU, you know, give up a give up a long rebound or turn it over? And VCU got back. VCU got back and got the stop. Um, score app's always kind of hinky. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. I always look at the VCU live scoring. Uh, which you can get on the VCU app. They do link to the live scoring. But, you know, everybody's mentioned the rebound. Let's talk about the rebound. Rebounding. 37 to 32 plus 5. 5 to 2 on offensive rebounds. 7 to 4 second chance points. And, yes, that, that absolutely matters. 7 to 4 second chance points matters when it's a two-point win. Everything is magnified. You know, VCU, eight turnovers. Dayton only got four points off those turnovers. VCU only got two. So that's one of those things that's sometimes trouble for us. Um, you know, well, I mean, look, Larry Powell, I don't think it's that. I think Anthony Grant knows what he's in for. He knows what this crowd is like. He knows how hard VCU gets after it. He knows it's going to be a tough game. You know, it, the tone was set early. They did – they tried to go to Holmes early, down low, and Furman and, and Lawal both made great plays against them. You know, they they tried – Kobe Brea had a couple three-point looks early, and he stuck one of them, but the other two wasn't anywhere near going in. But let me get back to the rebounding real quick. Talk about a great job of rebounding. Zeb Jackson gets six of them. Barristow gets eight, which leads the team. Lawal, Bamasil, and Shulga all get four rebounds tonight. Um, so that's, that's something else. Yeah. Holmes was five of 13 from the line, Carlos Diaz. And that's exactly right. Patrick Kelly Grant is unflappable. Great coach. He is a great coach. Well, and, and see Doug Hines. That's part of the story. The job they did on Holmes was great, but the key was just like with Neil Quinn, don't fall in the trap. Believe in Furman and LaWall that they can stand up to Holmes because they're not lumbering oafs and they are quick enough that they can that they that they can that they can stay with them. There was a couple times Holmes got around the wall and Furman and got and they usually ended up in fouls. And then there was the one time he got the reverse layup. Duran Holmes is a great player, but Furman and the wall could not have done a better job tonight. Impossible. You know, yeah, he gets 11 boards, but VCU wins the rebounding battle, and Dayton only gets two offensive rebounds. You know, and that Bennett one, and what, and, the, and what really kills you was that Bennett one near the end of the first half. That's his only bucket. You know, Javon Bennett's a heck of a player, and they, and they, and without them letting him get his own miss, he'd have had Zippo tonight. I mean, really, this was they try, they nearly beat us with two guys, Santos and Holmes, 31 points between them. 
They're 10 for 20. The rest of them are 7 for 27. Yeah, Furman, those shots, especially that little that little one-handed, that little one-handed five or six footer, which has been his shot all year, and he just couldn't make him. Oh. But I mean, to play that kind of defense down the stretch. Dayton was one for their last seven from the field. They didn't score for three minutes. There's just no way in the world you expect any team against a team like Dayton to hold, to not score for the last six minutes and win. Um, and, and that's it. That's it. what I was saying earlier, Carlos Diaz. There are two ways to look at this. If you're Dayton, you're just going to focus on the free throws and say we should have won. And that's that's an acceptable that is an acceptable uh, conclusion to make because when you lose by two and you're nine of eighteen from the foul line and your lead player and likely all American goes five of thirteen from the foul line when he's a seventy one percent shooter, I mean look if he shoots to his average they win and he didn't do that tonight. But on the VCU side, it's the same thing. All these stinking short shots fly four and three feet in, and you don't make them. God bless America. Or, or And you get fast breaks, and you're not passing, so you're taking a tough, you know, off-balance layup. Kawani did that at the start of the game. Freaking Bamasil did that. It's like, God dang it. Make one more pass sometimes. Yes, hold it. Bill Baldacci and everybody else holding them to 47 points again. I'm comfortable in saying that they won't have a lower score than that. Let, let's see. what was. I'm going to look that up right now. I'm going to look at their, their lowest points before today. Uh, let's see here. They got 66 against Northwestern. They got 55 against Houston. That's one of the best defensive teams in the country. They got 64 against UMass, but they won that game. And they got 60, they got 64 against Richmond and lost. They got 66 against LaSalle. So think of that. Before today, before today, LaSalle, LaSalle, Dayton had been held in the below 60 one time. Once to this year. So that is incredible. That is incredible. Um look. We won without a lot of things tonight. You know, you look at this. We had one guy in double figures, and it was Jason Nelson. And he barely played in the second half. He only played five minutes in the second half. That's incredible. So this is this is as this is as much this is as good a team win in that regard as you can possibly have. Because Bamasil, big scoring guy, he's only got five points. He was two for eight from the field. He doesn't get to the foul line in 22 minutes. Um, Zeb had nine points, pretty good. You know, a couple of those threes were forced, but he, but in general, his shot selection was good. Uh, 9.6 rebounds from him, but Bearstow only has six. He's three of nine. Shulga doesn't make a field goal. Bell, Michael Bell doesn't make a field goal. Kawani Kawani, one of the best three point shooters in the conference. Cause he's been absolutely on fire. He only took one three tonight. He didn't make that. And he's two for four in 22 minutes. But he gets a couple of assists, and he had some nice assists. Huh. And the bench, yeah, well, and that's the other thing. They talked about it right off the top. Dayton really only plays six guys, and that's essentially what they did tonight. I mean, they did play Jack nine nine minutes, and he actually scored. But, you know, in terms of significant minutes, 
All they got, you know, six guys got all their minutes. Everybody for VCU got 10 minutes at night to play. Nine guys. And the bench scoring, 23 to 8. 23 to 8. You know, and that's the difference in a two-point game. Jesus, I mean, that's unbelievable to do that. And that's how you can win when Max Shulga doesn't make a field goal. And Kawani Kawani doesn't make a three. And Christian Furman's two for eight. And Bearstow's three for nine. And remember, the other day against against uh, against Richmond last week, 13 to nothing. Zero for Richmond off the bench. And that makes the difference. And that's why to it and, and I have to give Ryan Odom credit. He's kind of conceded a little bit to what Mike Rhodes used to do. The Army approach. It was one of the things about Mike Rhodes that I liked was the fact that we would play lots of players and we would we would wear down the opposition. Well, that's what happened tonight. That is what happened tonight. You know, Deron Holmes played 35 minutes. And, you know, he didn't – and he wasn't making free throws all night, but some of the shots he missed, uh, you know, that that's – that some of that was fatigue. I mean, Furman and the wall went to war down there. And Tom Lawrence, in a lot of ways it does because Furman and the wall, they were gladiators down there because they're going up against one of the best players in the country. Make no mistake, Deron Holmes, may, he may not be a first-team All-American because you got Zach Eady there. But he's going to end up on an All-American team. He's the no doubt about it player of the year in this country in, in, in this conference. Like there's no nobody's going to come in and steal it from him like like Ace did with his brilliance last year. Deron Holmes should be unanimous that he's a player of the year. Um, well, you know, Stephen and and Chris on that block charge call. I hate to agree with the I hate to agree with the officials, but it's right, and it's not just been this game. There's been a lot of games, and some of them have gone for VCU, where it sure as hell looks like a charge. But because the way the rule is now, it's much harder to get a charge than it used to be. I kind of think they've overcorrected, but by the same token, you know what you don't see nearly as much of now. You don't see a lot of flopping. So there's there's a. Um, there, there's a lot. There, there's, there's, there's trade-offs that have to be made, and I think that's a trade-off I'm willing to accept. Well, well, Daniel Carter, here's the thing. Number one, partly because of some of the refs' non-ludicrous non-calls and some of it because of ourselves, we didn't get to the foul line like we should have, and, of course, we didn't make them. So that was part of our problem. But, again, you got to give Dayton credit, too, they had a good defensive plan. Dayton's not a fabulous defensive team, but they're still actually a better defensive team than we are, believe it or not. Even though we took a huge jump in defense this week, Dayton was 66 in defense, and I think we're just behind them. I might be wrong about that, but I thought we were just behind them in defense now. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I said on VCU by the numbers last night, and I forgot. So just give me a second, I'll look it up. But that's that's the key. That's the thing is that Dayton, their defense isn't as good as their offense, but their defense is still pretty good. Actually, I'm wrong. VCU's now way ahead of them in defense. But before tonight, it was about the same. Oh, TV Teddy. Don't get me started on him, Darren Grimes. That man, I have watched him call VCU games in the CAA and the A-10 
since I was going to school at VCU, and he's terrible. Patrick Kelly, it just wasn't the situation for Billups. I hope he's not in the doghouse. Again, I would play him, and I would like to see him in there. But look, you know, Kawani was giving you good effort out there. Bell was giving you good effort. Remember, and Michael Bell only got 10 minutes. Most of that was in the first half. I, he barely played in the second half, Michael Bell. Yeah, he only got five minutes in the second half. Okay, it was, it was about even. You know, so that is – and it is a Final Four officiating crew, which kind of tells you the state of officiating in college basketball. So, again, yeah, I would like to see Billups because um, we certainly could have used his shooting, his outside shooting, because he's capable of getting hot from the outside. But, look, you know, outside – Joe Bamisil, they didn't go crazy with his minutes tonight. He had 22. Sure, you could pay, play Bearstow or Shulga less, but to give to, to be fair to both of them, uh, they both were doing things other than scoring that were helping the team, even though they had a lot of mistakes too. I mean, this will blow your mind. BC had eight turnovers. Bearstow and Shulga had six of them. Shulga had half of them. He had four of them. Goodness gracious. But, yeah, I would like to see Billups more, too. But this is not the night for that discussion. Um, yes, and Joe Bama still played some really good defense. He did. And, and, and what I like is that he was two for eight, but he wasn't two for 13. There were a couple of really bad shots that he shouldn't have taken. But most of the night, he was making very smart decisions, and he was thinking of the team first. And you can live with some of that. There was a couple, like I said, there was a couple bad shots, and then on the fast break, he didn't even look at Nelson, who was wide open when Nelson was hot. And that's um that's just, you know, that was frustrating. But again, I like a lot of what Bama still did out there tonight. Um, so and again, we didn't tire him out playing him too many minutes. So I appreciate that too. Huh. And yes, it was mentioned a bunch of places. Quad one win. And this will be quad one win watch because I guess theoretically Dayton could lose enough to fall outside the top 30 in the net. I think it's highly unlikely. So I think this one's going to stay. So we finally have one because until, because it looks like George Mason who had their stuff together, doesn't have it together now. And we're not going to, that one's not going to be a quad one. The good news, we still have Richmond and Dayton on the road that could be quad ones. Yes. Joe Bradham, great comment. I love this comment. They stayed on their feet a lot better and not just flying through the air. You hardly saw them fall for one of them shot fakes. A couple times they did, and a couple times they paid the price for it. One of them times, well, and it was both the hedge and that. And that's the other thing. You, you know what you didn't see a ton of the last six minutes? They had that, that ludicrous hedge where they have Toby Hedge off of Deron Holmes. You didn't see that a lot the last six, five, six minutes either. Thank God. You know, that was one of those plays uh, that, that caused that. Uh, quad one win. That's the first thing. The second thing is creaks the door open further for a top two or top three spot. Now you got Richmond. Yes, they've only got one loss, but we play them again so we can still get to them. Loyola Chicago's got two losses. We got the tiebreaker. Dayton's got two losses, and we can still get the tiebreaker. And yeah, that last game, Carlos Diaz, it's going to be insane. It's going to be Deron Holmes senior night. 
I think it's going to be Kobe Bryant's senior night. It's probably it may very well be for an Atlantic Ten championship for them or us. It's going to be ludicrous, and they are going to be coming because I guarantee you they're going to sit here and say we played like garbage. Our offense stunk. Our best, the, our number one three point shooter in the country couldn't hit threes, and we couldn't hit a free throw, and we still should have won. And if we could have done. Any one of those things a little bit better, we should have won. That's what they're saying. So they're gonna, they're not gonna be doubting themselves at all when VCU shows up there for the finale. But VCU's got to remember they were the better team throughout. Doggone Dayton had a had hit the first three pointer, which actually that was Santos. So think of that. They hit Santos hits his first three point their first three point shot of the game, and then they're three for sixteen the rest of the game. Their only lead was 3-0 and then 3-2. They did not lead after that. Yes, all the things I just said, VCU was the better team tonight. And they were the better team throughout the game. VCU led for 33 minutes and one second. And that was all after they got they, they got the lead. Dayton's biggest run was 5-0. I was saying at half. I was saying in one of the updates during the game, whoever makes the first big run is going to win. There wasn't a first big run for anybody. Dayton's biggest run was five nothing. VCU's biggest run was five nothing. Um, we are coming for that number one stop, Manny Whitlock. The path is there. The path is there. Granted. The toughest part's going to be trying to win all these games because that means you got to win at Dayton and you got to win at Richmond. And that's going to be tough. And that GW loss is just that festering canker sore that we can't get rid of. Because if it wasn't for that, this thing would be way in the balance and it would be a lot in our favor. It's not. We probably got to win out to do it. But if we win out, the pathway is there. And it's Dayton, it's Richmond losing another game besides us. And it's Loyola Chicago losing once. That's the path. <sighs> Carlos Diaz, we got a great record at Dayton the last decade. Mike Rhodes, one of the one of the amazing things about Mike Rhodes' tenure here is, is his record at UD Arena. Mike Rhodes, and hopefully, who knows if that magic is transferred. To Ryan Odom, but doggone it, Mike Rhodes has won. Mike Rhodes and VCU won a bunch of games at Dayton. They couldn't beat the stinking Bonnies there, but they had COVID, so that doesn't count. Yeah, either one of those losses, Darren Grimes, if they'd have beat St. Bonaventure or GW, they'd be sitting in the catbird seat right now, basically. Uh, it, I agree, Carlos Diaz. If they win the lot, they should win the conference. But that's but we still need a little bit of help, and that's where that loss kills us. But this was, whew, I love wins like this. I don't I don't care that it's a rock fight. I don't care that it's ugly. This is this is who we are as a program. We ain't pretty. We ain't fancy. Maybe one day under Ryan Odom, it'll happen. Maybe one day we'll be this fabulous offense. And we'll have a top 20 offense and offensive efficiency and all that good stuff. Maybe one day. But it ain't 
It ain't what this university's been for 15 years. It ain't what this university's been since Shaka Smart showed up. Yes, just like Vanderbilt. Just like George Mason this year. It ain't... I love it when we win because, quite frankly, we are the tougher team. That's what I love more than anything. When I can look at a win and say, it wasn't that we we had guys make just unbelievable plays, pulled things out of their rear end, you know, make, making a no-no-yes shot like what, what Ace did at Dayton a couple years ago. That's cool and all, but wins like this, are the, are the ones that make you a championship team. Because they weren't great on offense tonight. They struggled. They shot flipping 37.7%. Remember, they hit five of their first six shots in the second half. They missed, let's see, five of their first six, which means they made they missed 14 of their last 18 shots. They are supposed to lose when that happens. And they are supposed to lose to a Dayton team that's nationally ranked when that happens. And they didn't. And that comes from having that gravel in your gut and that spit in your eye to quote a famous country song. That comes from being from growing up growing up fast and having your wits keen, as I quote Johnny Cash, maybe incorrectly. That comes from in here, the ticker. The ticker. They weren't the smartest team out there tonight. There were a lot of brain-dead plays. It's something we've had to live with. It's the ticker. Jason Hutto, you're wrong. No, it's not from a poor Dayton game. It's because VCU made them play poorly. Look, Dayton made us play poorly. We've done all right offensively in conference play. Not all the time. But we've played good offensive games. So they made us play poorly too. You can, you're going to sit here and say, well, Dayton lost because they played poorly. We only scored 49 points. We didn't freaking score for six minutes. How many, stinking, how many stinking layups and five and six footers did we miss? And yet we still won because as Carlos Diaz rightly says, we had cojones and manned up. We had guts. And sometimes you got to have that. Look, Ryan Odom said it against St. Bonaventure. We weren't the tougher team. They missed all those blockouts. They're not, it's not happening since then. Again, Dayton's a pretty good rebounding team. And they had two offensive rebounds. That's it. That was all. Man, what a team. What a, what a team. And, and, we, and to finally get a quad one win after we've been so stinking close against freaking Iowa State and freaking Boise State, who I think is a quad one winner right around there. And we came up with the goods. Oh, and I forgot, and somebody else mentioned it. I know it was Patrick Kelly. Winning out also includes winning at UMass, which is going to be a, 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 a tough lift too. And that, that's a game that's high quad two, almost quad one themselves. My God, what an effort, though. What an unbelievable effort. And it was such a good effort on defense that they jumped another 20-some spots almost tonight. That tells you. And again, 
That's against one of the best offensively efficient teams in the country. Dayton was in the top 15 in offensive efficiency tonight. I mean, that's true, Jason Hutto, but can you give this team some credit? Can you give this defense some credit for making them play that way? Can you give this team some credit for not giving away too many possessions so they didn't have the lift on their jumpers? And so Kobe Breo, when he had an open look, except for one time, didn't stick it. Or two times didn't stick it. He had two other ones, and he missed them both. Give this team some damn credit. That's a, that is one of the things about our fan base that does frustrate me at times. Oh, the other team missed all these open looks. We were I, we were talking about this when George Mason went over 15. Oh, that's a gift. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Some of those were lucky misses, sure, but not most of them. Most of them, they were well guarded. And again, when you work a team over, when you make them defend for 30 seconds, when you are in their jockstrap for 30 seconds on defense and you make them work their offense, they're going to get tired. And again, VCU's got the depth. I don't love the fact that freaking Barstow and Shulga played over 30 minutes tonight because you I'll say what I said the last game. I don't think anybody needs to play 30 minutes on this team because we have that kind of depth. And we can do... And we can wear anybody in this league down. Just about anybody. There's a few other teams that can play as many players as we do. I think Duquesne's one of them. But we can wear just about anybody in this team down if we play the right way. And even when we were missing tonight, by and large, there were exceptions. We weren't giving possessions away tonight. They didn't get easy, quick baskets. And we didn't just jack it up five and ten seconds into the shot clock. And that made the difference. You think Deron Holmes wasn't a little bit gassed at the end when he missed that shot in the last 10 seconds with a chance to tie the game and send it to overtime? By the way, let's talk about that last possession. I have to say I was surprised because I was as sure as I was taking my next breath, I thought they were going for the win. I thought they were going to run. Even though they hadn't made a three hardly all night, I thought for sure it was going to be double screen, staggered stream for Brea or Elvis or whoever. Santos didn't matter. I thought for sure they were going for the win. And I went, and, and they didn't. So VC, and, and VCU played great defense on Holmes. He got a drive, but he didn't get all the way to the rack. And he felt like he had to take that shot, and he was a little off balance, and the angle wasn't quite perfect. So the ball doesn't bank in, and VCU wins. Man. Whew. All right. So next game, St. Louis, who stink. But this is also a St. Louis that I just saw score 102 against, <laughs> against Ted Gum LaSalle, for God's sake. So you know what? Even as, as as wretched as they are, they're still a team that can cause a problem here and there. Let's remember St. Louis, St. Louis pushed NC State on the road all the way. They were in that game. They only lost to Dayton by five points at Dayton. 
you know, VCU wiped the floor with them the first time. But again, they got firepower. They they just scored 102 at, at LaSalle. They're playing St. Joe's tomorrow in the first game on USA Network. It could be a trap. VCU got to be on their P's and Q's here. Take the opponent seriously. Respect them. Yes, they're tied for last. Yes, they're having an awful season. They could still jump up and bite you on the rear end. And you don't want to get caught looking ahead to that game at UMass, which is a monster game. Because, again, you win these next two, you're almost there to locking away the top four spot. Because that's the other big story here. This win just continues to, to continues to give VCU space. Yeah, that's right. First time they beat a ranked opponent since LSU, although <laughs> LSU didn't turn out to be much, to be honest, that year. But so what? I mean, VCU's 8-3 and three now. St. Joe's, St. Bonaventure, UMass, Rhode Island, they're all 5-5. Five and five. We lose the tiebreaker with St. Bonaventure. We haven't played the other three. You win these next two games, St. Louis and UMass, to get to 10-3, and three, you, just got, you just about have top four locked away in that double bye. So this is a monster game coming up, and I have to say one thing that helps us for St. Louis, no midweek game this week. So there is a chance that there will be a midweek pod of some sort to get us through this week without basketball coming up. Huh. <sighs> And that's my plan. We'll see if it comes off. Uh, I have start, I started efforting stuff last night, or excuse me, during the game, and we'll see what we'll uh, uh, and we'll see what happens there. So that is the plan. Next Friday night is the same thing again. It's the Deuce and hopefully ESPN Plus at St. Louis, seven o'clock. Plan as always is to be here live in the good and the bad, the ugly group. I've been getting very lucky with my shifts. So hopefully I'll be here. I literally, I literally walked in the room, and by the time I got the streaming up on my TV, it was just got to the first commercial. So I was in pretty good shape t- tonight. And um, yeah, and I agree with you, Daniel Carter. This is a good. This is probably a very good time to have the week off because they got they they can celebrate for two or three days before they turn their mind to St. Louis. So that's the plan. There. Want to thank everybody. In the video for the for the comments, you guys have been great as always. It has been wonderful celebrating this. You got to be part of the good and the bad, the ugly group. You got to join us. VCU by the numbers, which came out yesterday. Looking at all the stats, you know, D, uh, you know, Ken Palm net, and all the things that are going on there. We keep our eye on other on our other basketball teams. The women's team is on fire. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, we've been talking about them all year. They're 20 and 3, which they've never been 20 and 3 in the history of the school. And they're right in the thick of that uh, title race. And they got St. Bonaventure tomorrow, pink out game for breast cancer awareness. So get out there and support them. Uh, but we keep our eye on all our teams. It's going to be college baseball season soon. So that's another one. We keep our eye on our, our, our uh, A10 brethren with our around the A10 and Tales from the non conference. Gonna be nice to kick. Isn't it gonna be nice tomorrow to kick back and relax and watch our A10 brothers play and watch all these other games, knowing that we've already got a win in the pocket? Yes. So that's why you gotta be part of the good and mad ugly. Plus the game threads with Todd St. Pierre's 
memorable AI art. Because <laughs> if you haven't seen Todd St. Pierre's AI art from this game, you could certainly, you should be a part member of this group so you can do it if you're not following him on Twitter to do that. And um, gosh, I don't know where he gets some of these ideas, but he's got them and that's that. <laughs> so that's why you want to be part of the good, the bad, and the ugly group, plus these live videos as always. Um, and for those of you out in podcast land, we will get it out to you hopefully early Saturday morning, and we thank you guys for your support. And again, that's a, that link is in the description. It's a PayPal, It's a link to the PayPal. It's in the description on Podbean and your other podcast platforms. Um, yeah, the Fordham art was great. The St. Bonaventure art with all the monks, I really, that's probably my favorite this year. So that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your comments. What a win. VCU fans celebrate this like mad. Not just because it's Dayton, because they're ranked, because it's the kind of win that you can build. It's the kind of win that lays a foundation to win a championship. These are the kind of games that do it. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you guys uh, either midweek, hopefully, or next Friday night after hopefully another VCU win and another road win. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.